When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Group Text. I am about to talk to, once again, one of my favorite guests, Kimberly Snyder. For those of you that don't know, she is a spiritual guide and meditation teacher, nutritionist, holistic wellness expert, and if that isn't enough, three-time New York Times best-selling author of five previous books, and a mom and wife. Uh, we're going to talk about your new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life, which is out now. Yes. Oh, my gosh, Melissa. It's so great to be back with you. I always love our chats. Yes. So good to be back with you. So this is book number five, huh? This is book number six. Actually. Six. <laughs> yes. Jeez, you're an underachiever. <laughs> you know, I wasn't I wasn't looking to write this book at all, Melissa. I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second son, Moses, who you've met. Aww. And I was looking to slow down, but this idea, you know, sometimes we can't control the timing. It just it came through. And I didn't really know what to do because, again, I was trying to slow down. So I reached out to Deepak Chopra, who was my co-author now three books ago, and I told him about it. And he said, oh, this book belongs with Hay House. So he put me on an email with the president. And next thing I knew, I was presenting it over Zoom. I wrote one sample chapter. And then I signed my book deal three days before I gave birth. And then 60 days after I gave after birth, that's when I started writing. So it just felt like, oh my gosh, of all my books, Melissa, this one feels so different. It just it just feels feels like this wants to be here. And um, yeah, I was just <laughs> along for the ride, letting it come through. Yeah. I mean, you and I, the first time we met, you were right, just writing it. Yes. Yes, exactly. I remember we sat outside. Yes. We had to see the baby. We had, I, I was like, oh my gosh, Melissa, this book is building inside of me. And so, yay, it's finally here. Congratulations. Um, how has the world changed since you wrote your last book? I mean, we all know about the pandemic and all that. How has it reshaped your the way you look at life? So I think that what's really interesting over the past, you know, few years, so much of what we put our, you know, our, our faith in, what we, where we find security, it's really changed. It's really shifted. Like, so for me, it's driven me deeper into myself. Um, I think that, you know, we, we look at, you know, what's happening with governments and, you know, illnesses and viruses and all this stuff out in the world. And we realize, wow, like things change on a dime. Things are unpredictable. And so really, the, you know, this book is born of this period, Melissa, and so much of it is about connecting to this resource inside of us, the, the true self, this stable part of us, this part of us that we can rely on, that we walk around with. It's often dormant because we're identified with this, you know, this pr these primal fears. But what's really shifted for me is going deeper into that connection, into my inner tools um, and just 
yeah, just finding peace from the inside, which it's easy to dip in and out of meditation and practices when things are going really well. But we've been in this wildness, <laughs> this craziness, you know, we can't rely on outside stuff and, and, you know, people even. So it really has to come from inside of us. And this is the pathway, Melissa, of just knowing that we have the strength to rise up to each moment that, you know, we can better deal with stress. We can nourish our mental health, which is so important as we know for our physical health and for our bodies and just find peace now, no matter how crazy it is out there. I, you always seem so positive, but there's gotta be moments between two kids trying to get a book done, living through the pandemic with a newborn and and juggling it all. Do you ever have those moments where you're just like, I, I can't? <laughs> so the 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 word that I don't like so much, Melissa, the word that like people ask me all the time, well, how do you find balance? How do you balance your life? You know, that to me makes me feel stressed. Balance makes me feel like I'm walking on this tightrope, right? So if I make one little misstep, I fall off. So I've reframed my thinking into focusing more on this word flow. And so what that means is, no, I don't get everything done on my to-do list, Melissa. You know, sometimes things are really crazy. You know, my baby is a pretty good sleeper, but sometimes he wakes up crazy times. And so, you know, it's just like all this stuff is unpredictable. So what I try to focus on is, you know, with, with flow, meaning that whatever um, is arising right now in this moment, whether I'm playing with my kids or I'm sitting down to write the book or, you know, I'm on my podcast or whatever it is or running my business, I... I use these tools and these practices to focus my energy right here, right now. And so I know if I'm showing up and doing the best with what's in front of me, you know, it, it takes out that stress of trying to do everything and dissipate so much of our energy in all these different directions. So for instance, in, in the morning, Melissa, or let's say, you know, you're in your head, you know, you're in your head, you know, your self-talk is, you know, the doubt, I'm not doing enough. The first thing I say to clients in this really easy one minute practice in the book is we, we come into this moment in our bodies. So you feel the bottoms of your feet where they are right now, you feel your hips sitting on that couch or on that chair and you just remind yourself, oh, I'm in this moment. And then what I like to do is I put one hand on my heart and one hand on my belly. So you check in, you know, how here's my heart rate, here's where I am. And virtue of just focusing on it, it starts to slow down, it starts to re-regulate. And this bottom hand on your belly, is the breath coming down? Am I getting enough oxygen? Or my fight or flight breathing, like really fast. And so we just come into this moment. I do this all the time, Melissa, throughout the day. Am, am I here in my head, just running around mentally, all my to-dos, all the things I'm not doing? Or am I here? And this moment is, is our point of power. It's where we come into flow. It's where we get past fear. And it's just, you know, we have the best possible chance of creating what we want when we come here. You know, my love. So all these little ways we get off in the day. Uh, the book is really about these really practical exercises and practices just to keep coming back, keep recentering um, into this moment and into the true self. You talk about being fearless, but we are living in such a fear based time. And it's one thing to sit and do a minute meditation and get out of your head. But what about fear? I mean, that's a, that's a, fear's a really tough one. Yes. So fear is actually the first full chapter in the book. And 
the you know this this book is pulling from these ancient teachings that are so valuable for modern life and you know supporting it with science melissa and also stories so you can see the applicability but a lot of this is drawn from paramahansa yogananda who's this incredible yogi who brought yoga to the west and when he came here he caused such a stir. He met with the president of the United States at the time, Calvin Coolidge. And modern leaders, if Steve Jobs read uh, Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda every single year, and it was the only book on his iPad when he passed, and he gave the book out to the 700 people at his funeral as his last message to the world. So I, I bring this up because, oh my gosh, like this is so relevant for today. It's just that a lot of us don't have access to these teachings. But he says there's 26 soul qualities that we need to develop in order to reach our fullest potential. And the number one is fearlessness. And that is because if we don't get past fear, which is the biggest block in our lives, we're not really getting on the path in the first place. We just play small, Melissa. You know, we keep ourselves small and limited. We don't, we don't dare to dream as cliched as that sounds. We don't go for things. We, you know, we just let opportunities go by us. We always worry if we're not good enough. So it's just, it just keeps us really small. And so it is a really big thing, but I can say from personal experience as someone that had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fears first, the ineffective way to deal with fear is to try to prevent it from happening. We try to control our lives. So it means like, I'm so scared. I don't go out anymore, or I don't go into these situations. Someone may say something that hurts me or whatever it is. We just withdraw more and more from life. And what these teachings um, share with us is again, this, this true self part, which is not the ego. Melissa out here, it's like the shell of what we look like and what we're doing. So it's peripheral nervous system, always sensing in the world. If we're out here, we're going to feel, feel more fearful because there's infinite things that can come up. Maybe there's another pandemic down the road. Maybe there's, you know, just more out here and we can't control everything. So what we do with, with, with dealing with, with fearlessness, Melissa, is two big things. Number one, we meditate every morning five minutes just to get started. And what we do is we start to connect again to the stable part of us. It's the voice of our heart. It's the voice of our intuition. It's our strength. It's our stability. It's our calmness. So we know that no matter what comes, the craziest thing could come up, Melissa, the most unpredictable thing, but we have ourselves. We have this inner resource so that we're not so scared about what's out here because we're connected on the inside. You know, and for me, this practice was so, um, you know, critical when I was going through my big breakup and I moved out on my own, which is a you know thing I describe in the book. And I became a single mom four years ago and I was, you know, shaken for a moment, but then that's the period where I really went in deep and connected to myself and emerged with a deeper sense of wholeness and trust than I had ever had. So yes, there are things that can seem scary, but we can't control all of them. But what we can control is this inner resource that will always have our back. And it profoundly changes our relationship to fear. The second thing is getting the fears out of the shadows in the first place. We don't even know what we're scared of, Melissa. You know, like we have all these fears. We don't feel good. We push them down. Maybe we have more wine or we watch YouTube or Netflix <laughs> or we distract. And then the fears keep manifested. They have power over us. So we don't know why we don't feel good. So we, we keep needing the food cravings or, you know, we're just feeling this low grade inflammation all the time in our bodies. So one of the exercises in the book is really writing down what you're scared of, what you're fearful of. And then the next step is writing down what you're scareful of feeling. 
So underneath that is the feeling of being abandoned, not being able to survive, you know, whatever it is. And when we can see, when we can actually get that energy out of the shadows, we can start to work with it more in our lives. It doesn't control us as, as much. You know, there's a lot more detail that I offer in the book, but we have to be aware of what we're scared of in the first place. Otherwise we're going to keep being controlled by it. You talk, everyone always says, write it down, write it down, write it down. Um, why, why is that? I mean, like for me personally, I, my, my fears have names. I know what they are. I know what I need to work on. So for someone like me, I'm not sure why writing it down would be crucial, but everyone's always like, write it down. Why? So when we look at the, the, the genesis of how things are created into form, right? It starts with what we call thoughts, which are formed constructs in the mind. Like, so there's energy, right? And then it starts to form into thoughts. And what the Zen Buddhists say is we have these monkey minds. So things are constantly spinning and going around. So it's like, it's coming, it's going, it's not really concrete. When we write things down, I was just going to reach for my notebook. Well, <laughs> I'm a big writer. We're actually taking it out of our head. And it's the first step into putting it into form to actually being something that is tangible and we can work with it more. So when you write down your goals, it's saying, hey, it's, I'm starting to put it into form. When you write down your fears, you're, you're literally saying, hey, I see you. You're not hiding up here in my head in the mind chatter anymore. I'm going to work with this energy. So there's something about the physicality of it. And there's actually a study out of Harvard, I believe, that I referenced in my last book about when you write something down, it actually activates different parts of your brain. And it allows you to be more connected to the actual material. Somehow it concretizes what it is. So there is great power, not just typing though, Melissa, pen to paper. Get that's, out that notebook. That, <laughs> that's what I was going to say is not typing. Yes. You have to actually physically use pen and paper and Thank write you. it down. Then what, <laughs> then what do you do with it? So people say crumple it up and throw it away or crumple it up and throw it in the fireplace or, you know, oh. tear it up. What? you know, that's not the, everyone always is like, oh, and then do this and then do that. What are we supposed to do with it? So by, again, writing something down is a way to activate the energy. We're, we're putting it into form. So if it's something like your purpose, and there's a chapter in the book about being a warrior. Um, so if you write down with clarity, let's say your purpose, you would take that piece of paper, you would put it somewhere you see it every day. Let's say it's part of your bedroom that you walk by on your way out the door, whatever. So it reminds you, oh, this is my purpose. If it's something like this in the fear exercise and you're writing down your fears, at the end, we rip them up into little pieces of paper. You imagine what your life is beyond the fear. I'm all talking about this. So it's different things. There's another practice, if I could share, Melissa, because I, I love this one very much. It's in the whole chapter. So, so the way the book works is the first, first section is getting past the biggest blocks, right? So fear, we have to feel whole, right? Otherwise, we're not really getting on this path of enlightenment, which is just the path to more freedom, more self-awareness, more playing big, more fulfilling life. Then the second part is embodying more of these qualities of who we are. So this is where we get into peace, intuition, and so forth. And then part three, once we've done that, Melissa, now we're ready to create our best stuff. So part three, the longest chapter is you are a creator. It's how we take our unique gifts and channel them into form. It's about abundance. Um, but <laughs> the reason I bring this up is the whole chapter. You know, a lot of us walk around and we say, oh, you know, deep down, it's really hard to love ourselves, right? And the reason I think that self-love is elusive for a lot of people is that we 
over identify again with this ego, this outer doing and what we look like versus, you know, our soul versus who we are, um, this energy inside of us, whatever word you want to use. So part of that is walking around with a lot of shame around our behavior. So, you know, the, the, the human part of us is stumbling along, doing its best, messing up. And sometimes we act from our authentic heart and sometimes we don't. And of course, as we connect more and more over time to our true self, this will reflect in our behavior. But in the beginning, what we want to do is we want to look at our behavior. We want to learn the lessons and then we want to let go. So we're not walking around with all this heaviness and shame. So in this exercise, Melissa, we draw a sun on a piece of paper, which represents our solar qualities, the things we like to share. So we can say, oh, I'm thoughtful. I'm patient. I'm a nice friend. You know, whatever we like to admit about ourselves. Then the next piece of paper, we draw the moon. And then these are the lunar qualities. These are our shadow qualities. So we sit with this a bit and we think, "Mm, do this after you meditate. So there's less resistance. Oh yeah, I can be judgmental. I can be mean. I can be, you know, exclusive, like whatever it is. And then what you do is you put these two pieces of paper next to each other, Melissa, and you watch them. You look at them and you'll notice your nervous system has a reaction. So feel in your body, your heart may start to race or your mind may start to make validations like, oh, I'm only judgmental if, you know, she's like that or this happens. So you wait until the energy in your body gets neutral. So what happens is your nervous system reacts and then it rises up and you feel these physical reactions, heart rate, heartbeat, um, tightness in your belly, whatever it is. And then you wait for it to go down. So energy, emotions are energy in motion. So instead of identify, we just let it go up and it go down, it goes down. And then underneath in the practice, you look, what's the energy underneath these behaviors? And underneath is still this stable, unchangeable part of us, this, this eternal part of us, the true self. So we connect to that energy underneath. And then we realize, oh, I am more than my behaviors. I learn. And, that, and then I, you know, I clean it up. I apologize if I need to clean up any messes. And then I let it go. So in that exercise as well, we rip up the paper. We've got it out. We have more awareness and then we let it go. So working with paper, working with introspection is a really powerful way for self-awareness, which is, again, going to give us more freedom ultimately. How did you learn to unblock yourself in your relationship with your husband? Because you had come out of a not so great marriage. Yeah. So I came out of that um, period where I said I, I was a single mom. And this was a really interesting um, period where, wow, I did not think that this is, you know, how my life was going to turn out. And I was trying to just, you know, figure out what was going on. And it was at this time, Melissa, that I met with a monk at the Self-Realization Fellowship, which is Yogananda's meditation organization. And they said to me, you know, can really treat your home like an ashram for five months. And what he meant by that was, you know, just work on yourself, put some awareness on yourself. And, you know, no one has to do this, but for me, I I just needed a big reset. So this is when, so you could say that this, this new book, the Genesis was really at that period because I just went deep into reading ancient texts, you know, the Vedas, the Upanishads, the Ramayana, the New Testament of the Bible, Rumi, all, all these, you know, works. And I meditated really deeply. And what I did was I went in and I just... I was, I was very clear with my intention. I want to understand myself more. 
And again, what I've done here is synthesized a lot right. of teaching so you don't have to do this. You've what- basically done cliff notes. That's right. <laughs> so I, so the, way, the way I unblocked myself, Melissa, was that, oh, you know, when I came out of that period, I had this sense for the first time in my life, and I didn't realize it wasn't there before because it's like, we don't know what we don't know. But what I emerged with was number one, a deep sense of wholeness, you know, doing this kind of the exercise I was just talking about. Number two, I had a very different perspective of love. I think that we often think of love as a noun, like this thing that we get from that relationship, from this person, from the likes, from the validation, it's outside of us. And that actually repels love and that actually does block us. So we don't get love from anyone else. Some people can cause us or situations or children, our loved ones cause us to light up the love that's inside of us. But how desperate, how lack-based is it when we think that love's out here? So we project that onto people, we start dating, and it's just like this actually really repellent energy. So we unblock ourselves by realizing, oh, I am actually the source of love. So instead of love being this noun, it's a verb. We live love, we activate it as a living energy already here. So that means, what does that mean? In the morning, activate the love right away. Within 10 minutes of waking up, you know, you can text someone, a loved one, just tell them that you love them, spread the love. Or if you have a pet, you cuddle your pet right away. You go out into your day, you're extra kind to the barista where you get coffee. You do a med- you do a gratitude practice. You start to activate the love inside of you, which means you're the source and people can really feel that you're not trying to get love from them. So when I got out of, you know, that relationship, and then I was in this really peaceful period, when I started going out in the world, I just had this energy of I'm whole, I'm complete. I'm this, you know, I just knew that love was here. And so I met my husband at this random dinner party and it wasn't arduous. It was so natural and so organic. And we just got together and there was this, this beautiful flow. So number one, um, more whole. That's how you unblock yourself. You tune into that. Number two, activate love as a verb here and now. And that's something you're trying to get. And number three, trust. So we unblock ourselves. Again, we, we don't realize how much we're trying to control all the time and manipulate the world. And that just keeps us so small and blocked. And so trust, like I was saying earlier, when we connect to this true self part of us, this inner resource, we trust ourselves. We trust life that whenever what's coming, what's ever going to happen, we're here and we show up. So it means we play bigger. It means our energy is more full. And so people really feel that too. And so we're living in this open, blissful place. Our hearts are open. And so we're not repelling people. We're not pushing them out. We're not creating these walls. And so that's a um, very important part of not of unblocking yourself. Okay. I'm going to become personal for a second because I need advice. Yes. And I've got you, tra- and I've got you trapped. <laughs> so, and, and we're friends. So you yes. Can anything. <laughs> and you're trapped. Um, so like I have huge trust issues. Yes. I'm an overly, first of all, I'm an overly trusting person, but yet incredibly cynical but I still, part of me wants to believe the best in people, but I have real trust issues because I have been burned so many times. Right. How do, how, it's one thing to trust in yourself, but how do you trust, learn to to believe in, in others or allow yourself 
the vulnerability to trust someone and not the fear of getting burned. Right. So all of this is connected back to, again, having a really healthy connection, uh, connected relationship with your true self. The fact that you're overly trusting and then not trusting means that, Melissa, you know, there's there's a missing component of healthy boundaries in your life that comes from this discernment. This comes from this, you know, real um, deep place of trust and intuition inside of you. So what happens if we're not connected to this deep part of us? It means our mind plays with us, right? So our intuition isn't fully activated. A big, um, a big benefit of doing this work is we start to really feel that inner voice when we're out of the head and like, oh, like this guidance of, oh, this, this is the direction. This is someone I want to go on a second date with. This is who I can trust and this is who I can't. So it means that we're just not in that super connected place yet. It is a skill that we build over time. So what I found in my life, the more I connect inside, oh, I make less hiring mistakes and my brand Saluna, like everybody now on the team is like really aligned. We're coming from this deeper place. Healthy boundaries means that we love and respect ourselves and we love and respect other people. It's not about pushing out things, but healthy boundaries means that we keep in what we want. So let's say you get real clear about what you want from in, in your life. I want peace. I want more joy. I want deep connections in my relationships. You walk through and you, you know, you start to discern, you're connected, you meditate, you're, you're, you know, again, more in the body, more in this inner knowing, this experiential knowing versus the mind chatter. And you start to move through and every decision that you make, love, um, let me give you a practice for that as well. You start to come from this place and then you, you are in relationships and you create healthy boundaries. This person's draining. Hey, you know, I, I honor you as a person. You say it with love. But um, maybe you don't need to say that to that person, but inside of yourself, you know, oh, this is someone I'm probably going to spend less time with or vice versa. And you say, what? I don't really know yet. Oh, this is so confusing. You know, how do I really know? And this is how you know, love, because in the beginning, like I said, the ego is the mind chatter. And we're so used to years and years of living in the mind chatter. How do we know what to trust? So you get out of the mind. You go, where? Where is there no stories, the wounds, the triggers from the past? Where is there a more clear pathway of wisdom? The body. Okay, so we start to utilize our body for wisdom. So you go right here into the heart. And there's so much um, clinical research now from the Heart Math Institute and these incredible organizations, really literally measuring the resonance and the, you know, the radiation of energy from the heart. So you go into your heart and you ask yourself one question, am I in true self energy or am I in the ego? So if you're in the true self energy, if you're really clear, it means I'm in a place where I can make good decisions. I can discern whether to trust this person or not. This is going to feel expansion. It's going to feel open in your heart. It's like how the universe is constantly expanding. Light is constantly expanding. We know this is our true nature. And this goes back to quantum physics. So you're going to feel like this openness, like this sort of settled openness. But if you ask yourself that question, Melissa, again, not in the head, in the heart, and you feel in your body, in your heart, in your belly, in this area, you feel tightness, constriction, and then you're an ego. Then you're in the fear, right? So you're going to feel like kind of limited. That's what the ego is. It's small. It makes us play small. So you're going to even 
a little bit physically of, you come you, you see yeah. you, with the arm when people cross their arms in front of them exactly like and you're I, always you're always told during a job interview don't cross your arms that's right that's right it's like this so much of uh communication is nonverbal, but you'll literally feel in your heart oh like this tightness and so what that means is i'm an ego right now so this is not the place to make decisions this is not the best place to speak this is not the best place to see you know what's best for me i'm in fear i'm in limitation so when you do that you can go Go back to that practice like we did earlier, just feeling your feet, feeling your heartbeat. Maybe you get up, you take a walk, you go to the bathroom, you recenter. This awareness that I'm not in my full, true, authentic self is such a powerful tool because again, it means don't act from this place. Wait to rebalance, recenter, do a mini meditation, take three deep breaths, pause. And now when I'm in this more deeper, intuitive place, then I can take action. Then I can discern what to do. Um, but just, we keep checking in moment to moment. We know if we're in constriction, we know, you know, if we're about to say something that's not going to feel good, commenting, being judgy, being snippy, um, whatever it is, putting a wall up against someone, that's not who we are, right? It's just not our energy. So it's going to create not great stuff. We're gonna have to go back and clean up the mess, whatever it is. So wait, pause, wait till you're centered and then, um, live life from that place. I'm going to get shallow for a minute. Because Please. this would not <laughs> this would not be one of my podcasts if we didn't just get a little shallow. You also, in your past books and with the new, you spend a lot of time talking about beauty. Yes. And all and, the right, and you have products and this and that and the other. And I know it's a lot about inner beauty, but you actually do and have addressed outer beauty as well. Yes. And and so much of it is through your nutrition. Well, so yes, my, um, the, the funny thing is, and I'll share this story with you quick, Melissa, it was always this more holistic perspective, right? And when I got back from my round the world journey, I actually had, and everything was starting to take off. I had this website, I met, you know, my first celebrity found me. So I got on the set and I was working with all these celebrities. I was doing good morning America. And so my first book idea 10 years ago, exactly six books ago was a book called catching the fire. I had five chapters written and it was a travel memoir, Melissa, with some of these teachings. And what happened was my first editor said, oh, well, it looks like the food and the recipe stuff is taking off. So why don't we do that book first and we'll do this book second. But that first book went on to be called The Beauty Detox Solution and grew. It's sold like a million copies. So the second it, was, one, it was a huge hit. But then by the third book, I started going back into, you know, the create, you know, the chakras and the fourth book I wrote with Deepak Chopra, which is Ayurvedic and spirituality. And then the fifth book was, you know, mind body connection. And then this one is like the full playbook, the full teachings. So the reason I say that is from the beginning, I've always worked in this holistic way. It's easier to like see the food and think that, but even when I worked with these clients, I would say it was like 15% food, but it was this this, you know, what I call my four pillars, my four cornerstones of true wellness and beauty, which is food, emotional well-being, um, food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. So they all everything in your life works together. All of our energy works as one. So whether you're talking about having great skin or having more energy or sleeping better, or, you know, creating your best career or your best relationship or being the best mom or whatever it is, all of these cornerstones support that. So let's say you're struggling with food. Let's say you're struggling with your body. 
it's not looking the way you want it to look. Your hair is falling out. You're having trouble losing weight, you know, whatever it is. Most people go deep into that one thing. Maybe it's, you know, more I need to learn about with the food. It's the riboflavin. Maybe there's hidden sugars. Body is, you know, exercise, sleep, supplements. Oh, maybe I'm not um, exercising enough, whatever it is. We kind of jam that one thing. But what's interesting about the four cornerstones is I can almost guarantee if you're struggling with one of, you know, let's say food body, it's the other ones you're not nourishing enough, right? So think about, let's say, emotional well-being slash mental health. If you are not taking care of your stress, if you're not connecting on the inside, so you're so frazzled and anxious about everything going on in the outside world, what's going to happen? Your hormones- You break out. You break out. You break out. out, (laughs) Your body pulls circulation and blood flow out of your GI tract because we are in fight or flight. That means bloating, impaired digestion, a harder time losing weight. You hold on to the weight. Your hormones get imbalanced. You start secreting more cortisol, right? There's very, very physical um, things that are happening here. So to answer your question about beauty, if our goal is also to look our best, and let's be honest, we all want to look good. Believe me, this stuff helps so much. There's a chapter in the book called You Are a Powerhouse, and it's about vitality. What is vitality? Vitality is, you know, what Yogananda calls the underlying energy matrix. So under underneath everything is energy. So before our skin cells are created, before our hair grows, before our muscle tone comes, there's energy underneath that. So we want it to, to come with the purest um, energy. So if we're always dissipating our energy out in the world, again, with stress, with comparison, with wondering that we're not good enough, all this out here, we drain ourselves time and time again. We concentrate our energy, we connect inside, we're less reactive. So we're dissipating less of that energy, right? We're just, we're more calm. We have more equanimity. We have more creative um, energy coming through us. We're in our true nature. So we're going to have more vitality. We're going to age less quickly. Every, you know, the light in our eyes, the glow, everything comes from the inside out. So it's very tangible and very palpable in that way as well. So I am always frightened to ask this question. Um, what's next <laughs> besides trying to get some sleep? Oh, you mean for me in my life? Yeah. Yeah. For you in real life. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so, it's so funny, Melissa, because, um, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm in the heart of this, you know, this, this launch it's, it's so exciting. I feel like everything is, is, is coming through me, but you're right. Life is very full. I have these two babies, we just got this farm in Hawaii. So we've been back and forth. Um, you know, 2022, I'm so excited to just to keep offering and to keep sharing. We have a lot of offerings coming out through my brand, um, Saluna. Um, my biggest goal is, is, you know, just allowing this true self to rise up more and more in me. If you asked me this question a few years ago, I'd be like, well, da, 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 like very linear, like here's my to-do list. Now for me, it's, 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 it's experiential, it's energy, it's everything. This, this fullness, this love, this bliss, like, oh my gosh, in the past two years, Melissa, even, you know, since we've known each other the past few years, like, you know, this pandemic has allowed me to just go deeper and cut so much more off the, you know, externally that wasn't needed. So what's next for me is embodying this more, you know, enjoying life even more being present, um, seeing what organically gets created and um, unfolds. Yeah, I just, I feel really excited about life right now. And it, it feels more nonspecific than it used to. I'm just excited. Mm-hmm. excited I, to say, 
saying saying organically makes me think there's another baby on the horizon. <laughs> oh, no, no, not right now. You know, we'll see after this book. I think, I could, oh my God, I can't even imagine being pregnant right now with everything going on. But you know, if another soul wants to come in, I, you know, I, I think I'd love that. Be open to that as well. Okay, if you could give my listeners one solid tip to walk away from this podcast with, okay, what would it be? So my, my, my tip is, um, morning practice, which you and I have talked about before, but specifically set up your morning practice so that it does include, I'll say, I'll try to simplify, uh, simple, uh, simplify your morning practice and I'll share mine in a moment. So it always includes our most important activity as humans, which is meditation. So the meditations I put out every week, Melissa, practical enlightenment meditations are just five to seven minutes. That is enough to start shifting the energy. So we're not just out here, peripheral nervous system, ego, fear. We start coming into our brains and to our spines. We concentrate the energy central nervous system. Now we come into our point of power as we go into the day. So yes, drink hot water with lemon, take your probiotics, drink your green smoothie. Those are the other components of my morning practice, but always meditate. There's one thing you're going to do, even if it feels restless at first, keep going, be consistent. And then you go into the day with more of that self-connection and that calmness and that equanimity, which will deeply serve you in your day. Kimberly, always amazing. Everybody's got to check out the book, Practical, make sure I get it right because it's a long title. (laughs) You are more than you think you are practical enlightenment for everyday life. I just think of the book title as practical enlightenment. (laughs) Kimberly, I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much, Melissa. I love chatting. 